Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your shadow. Another dimension. Submitted for your approval. The Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval. The Twilight Zone. Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to a podcast not only of sound, but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind is a podcast that takes a journey into the wondrous land of time loops, whose boundaries are that of imagination. Each episode, my guest and I explore these time loops, one loop at a time. This season, I'm trapped in the Twilight Zone. And this is my third and final stop at 1963's Season 4, Episode 6, Death Ship. My guest today is Dave Smith from Sequel Harder. How are you doing today? Great. Uh, good to be here. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. It's, you know, th- this is my third stop on Death Ship, and I'm really curious to see how this goes. That you're tired of finding yourself as a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I, I think I mentioned, I mentioned this already in you know, the, in my second stop here, but the, this is an episode that's that's really grown on me the, the more that I've watched it. I, I didn't watch it again today, but I watched it, you know, like twice just a, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there is a lot to this episode. And um, I believe you said you, you hadn't seen this episode before. I had not seen this one before. I did watch a fair amount of Twilight Zone, but this one I didn't see. So what, um, like, what is your history with the Twilight Zone? What, where did that start? Yeah, so I was an '80s kid, and um, I, you know, I watched. I guess there was a there was a version of the Twilight Zone on in the '80s, but also the reruns of of the originals. Um, I would watch like Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, um, Amazing Stories. You know, all 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 of those anthology, creepy, weird sci-fi things. I just I loved it. Um, yeah, I, I was a huge Tales from the Crypt. Like that that was my entry into like anthology sci-fi horror stuff. You know, the, yeah. The and and it's funny because it, it was like the Fox episodes that aired at like ten o'clock at night on on Saturday or Sunday, I think, and they were they edited out all the nudity but none of the gore. <laughs> yeah yeah and then there was that um freddy's nightmares oh yeah do you remember that yeah I, so it was i like, don't think it, i watched that but I, I was aware of it yeah yeah because it was it had i think it had robert england as freddy krueger but he was more like a crypt keeper he just kind of introduced the episode that was just about whatever it was about and yeah, it was, the, the one that i remember that probably nobody else has heard of is the the nightmare cafe which also it was it had robert england in it but he wasn't freddy mm-hmm and that was like just a weird little it was like an an anthology series but it also had interconnect like the it had three like three characters that were present throughout the entire series and they had kind of their own storyline but each episode mm-hmm. was also its own individual story about you know people that came into the nightmare cafe and then they had their story. Right. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. 
But uh, yeah, no, I love those things. I'm just I'm just thinking about some of the uh, Freddy's Nightmares ones. There was an episode where, and it was always these very like, you know, monkey's paw type of deals. Like this guy was, guy, you know, was having, uh, you know, making love to a girl that he really, really wanted to make love to, and she's like, "Oh, do you love me?" And he had to he had to tell her he loved her, or they wouldn't go any further. And then they woke up the next morning and they were joined at the genitals. <laughs> it was very sort of Cronenberg body horror stuff going on. <laughs> I think it's, you know, you mentioned the monkey's paw and that it reminds me um, just just recently on Disney Plus, they released a Lego Star Wars Tales of Terror and they have uh, the Wookiee's paw is one of the short (laughs) stories on there. It's like, you know, a handful of short, um, you know, Lego, very family friendly Star Wars theme themed halloween tales and one sure. of them was the wookie's paw they, they also have a uh, lost boys uh, homage oh yeah yeah with kylo ren and in the, <laughs> the michael of role. course <laughs> of course just yeah I, I love these uh these twilight zone stories um one of my favorite and, and it's, it's like uh, you know, they always had the t- twist ending, right? And so one yeah. of my favorites was the Burgess Meredith one where the whole world gets destroyed, but then he's and he, he's like, oh, great, I can spend all my time reading books now. And then he yeah. breaks his glasses. <laughs> and oh, and then just, they, just randomly referenced that on, on Twitter. And they're like, you know, most, most uh, Twilight Zone have some sort of message. And this one is just like, you effing nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, the other one that, that I thought was it really had a big impact on me was um, the aliens showed up and they're like, hey, you guys, you know, all you humans are doing all these petty squabbles. This is stupid. Knock it off. Right. And so all the, the heads of the governments from around the world get together and within 24 hours they have achieved world peace. And they come back to the aliens and like, hey, we settled all our differences. We, we've created peace on Earth. And the aliens are like. Oh, that's not what we meant. We want you to be better at making war. You were just so bad at it before. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember that episode. It, it's been a while since I've seen much of Twilight Zone. Like I, I'm familiar with a lot of the the most famous episodes, and and I think I saw. I'm pretty sure I saw like the movie, um, mm. not when it came out, but it's like on home video at some point. But all of that's been many years. But I, I have enjoyed all the all the episodes that I've rewatched here for this season. They, they've all been pretty interesting, and you know I I'm not sure. I I almost would say that this one's my favorite right now, but that's just because it's the one that I've watched the most recently. Mm-hmm. So and, it's interesting that you're doing a whole season based on time loop episodes. Like I, I guess there's enough to do a whole season. Like how many? Twilight Zone episodes deal with time loops. Uh, there's actually fewer than I thought there would have been. Oh. <laughs> there's, uh, let's see, there's five. Well, six, but two of them are technically the same episode. Interesting. So that kind of brings up, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've touched on this before, but the movies um, like Palm Springs, mm-hmm. where we see, we, we catch up with him after he's been in the time loop forever, you know, much like, Groundhog Day, which I thought was a fantastic movie, but both yeah, of those I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see a lot more because I'm, I'm coming to this show. I've, I've seen 
a fair amount of time loop movies. I think I've seen more time loop TV episodes than I have movies, but there I like I, I haven't really dived in and started seeking out the ones that I haven't seen yet. Um, I'm I'm waiting until I decide to do them as a season for the the show. Mm -hmm. um, so like I, I haven't seen Palm Springs. I haven't seen Source Code. I think those are the two biggest ones that you know people bring up a lot that that mm -hmm. I haven't seen yet, and I, and I'm looking forward to to catching up with those and you know covering them on a future season. Nice. Have you seen Time Crimes? I have not, but I um, yeah. So take know, a look I, at I have that. a podcast friend that's you know he uh, he swears by that movie. That's like one oh. of his favorite time travel movies. Yeah, it's pretty good. But I suppose we should actually talk about the, the actual episode. <laughs> yeah, we could. <laughs> so this, this is the first time that you've seen it. So I, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the wheel because I, I've talked about this, you know, episode twice already. So I'm I'm curious what what things you're you'll point out as somebody that's seen it just for the first time. OK, sure. So um, <laughs> the first thing I noticed was that spaceship E89 has a string holding it. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I've I've watched this several, like I think four or five times, and I didn't, you know, I didn't pick up on that. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know this is an old movie. It's got the spaceship from Forbidden Planet, and you know, it's it's relatively low budget, and you know, old time special effects. But that that's yeah. something that I, I I don't know. Maybe I just like you know expected it to be there, so I didn't even look for it. Yeah, it was it was just kind of the first thing. It, well, OK, so full disclosure, I, I work in the film industry. I'm a cinematographer, so I tend to to watch when I watch TV or movies, I watch it on two levels at once, you know, just enjoying the story and also being very highly critical of the technique and the technology going into it. Yeah. Um, so and so I had to kind of park my brain for this one because it's 1963. It's television. You know, the thing looks like it's somebody's backyard with a couple of fake computers thrown in <laughs> it's fine yeah, um, and it it's, does have a few a few moments of special effects which you know i i haven't i haven't actually talked about so i'm i'm curious to to get into that a little bit and, and see them from your perspective because they they are they were good special effects for the time but of course you know that you you see the strings literally yeah. quite literally and in some moments <laughs> yeah um uh jack klugman as the captain is to me a very interesting choice uh i mean i i watched the odd couple for years like i i'm very familiar with his work but to see him as the like hard-nosed military you know space net what do they call them <laughs> the, uh, the interplanetary administration rocket bureau which yeah. i love <laughs> all this stuff um oh yeah and the fact that they are using the flying saucer from from Forbidden, which is a Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet, yeah. Um, like, I love the fact that we were so, you know, somebody back in the 40s or 50s thought they saw, you know, a flying saucer and that became the, the ship. And then the writers of this, the creators of this episode thought that in the future, that's what we would, that's the kind of ship we would make to go into space, even though in the early 60s, we were making rockets to go into space, not flying saucers. So like, that was, you know, that was this was 63. So yeah. the, this was still at the 
relatively early stage of the the actual space program but they yeah. they did have rockets at this point and they just went on you know the the cheaper budget because they already had the the spaceship from forbidden planets and <laughs> yeah and i believe that the fourth season was a, a it was a shorter season even though they were it's the only season with hour-long episodes instead of the half-hour episodes but I believe I've, I read that they did have a, at least a slightly reduced budget compared to oh. uh, earlier seasons. I mean, that makes sense. And it shows up. And, and so, yeah, it was like I'm trying not to laugh at all the silly, you know. And this is this is like, what was it? It's like five years before even the Star Trek came out. So it's it's very primitive. So it's it's fine. I, gave, I give it all a pass because it's, it is what it is, right? Uh, but Jack Klugman, getting back to that, like, Having him be this like hard nosed space captain, and he's got I just I don't see him as that character. I just he's to me he's you know Oscar Madison from The Odd Couple. He's he's a he's a comic actor. Maybe he's a dramatic actor too, but he's not he's not a military guy to me. So just him with his with his like New York accent and and uh, mean you know and that was the thing. His character was so like there's all this weird instant instant drama between him and the two other guys like like yeah, as soon as something happened they're like hey we should do this nope we're not doing that <laughs> yeah he's extremely overbearing and later on in in an interview he actually said that this was one of his least favorite roles uh, i think because of his character's personality because it's such such a strong personality but it's also a very negative personality yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He's almost you know, a villain, practically, in, in this in this episode. Because especially whenever we get to the end, and you find out that it's through his force of will that is basically trapping the other two crewmates with him in this time loop, afterlife purgatory. Yeah, and that was weird. I actually had to go look it up, like what the ending meant, and rewatch the last few minutes. So it wasn't quite clear at how it ended. <laughs> the Jack Klugman's captain, Captain Ross, he is, you know, he just is such a, has such this force of will and that he is not accepting his own death. And so because he doesn't accept his own death, he's causing him in the afterlife to, you know, replay the cause of it. And because he wants to go over it again to see what he did wrong and to see if he can do it right the next time and it's like he's such a powerful character that he brings in his two crewmates like they're trying to go off into their own afterlives and be with their families and move on and into the afterlife go into the light and he's like no you're i need a crew you're staying with me yeah it's a which is a really kind of interesting way to take this i wasn't expecting that i was you know when they when they land on the planet and they see the crashed ship and they find the bodies and then they you know they spend a, the second act arguing what to do about everything um to me like the the way time loops work is that or to, whatever the, the way the way i expected this episode to go is that they try to take off and they crash and they become the dead people right hmm. It, it and then it becomes but it actually becomes this sort of you know lost ending where they're already dead but they they're not quite dead <laughs> yeah and as soon as um as soon as mason you know tries to get through to the captain that they're all dead he's like no i don't accept that and then as soon as he 
like decides not to accept that reality, that's whenever he causes it to start over from the beginning. Right. The moral or whatever, the message of this episode is like, you know, go gracefully into this good night. Right? Well, I mean, in the, in the, uh, you know, in the closing narration of Rod Serling references, the flying Dutchman, he basically right. says that they're like a modern day flying Dutchman. And I did do a little bit of, you know, just a touch of research on that. You know, the Flying Dutchman, it's this fabled ghost ship that's supposedly doomed to sail the oceans forever. And the oldest version of the legend dates back to the late 18th century. And it's often told as like a, port, a portent of doom. Like, uh, you know, other sailors who see the Flying Dutchman, they're, they're doomed in one way or the other. And other versions of the legend introduce some sort of punishment where the crew of the ship had committed some sort of crime and that's why they're doomed to sail unable to land until they've paid their penance which i I think that aspect of of the legend is is interesting relating to this because we don't really see there's no hints of any sort of crime like you know the the best guess i mean there's no explanation whatsoever given to why they crashed whether it was an accident or right there's like not in and there's not even any discussion of any sort of malicious intent other than you know um his theory that it's you know aliens causing hallucinations but right. that's mostly dismissed as you know just a, a wild theory because he doesn't accept that they're dead yeah so i had to look up the flying dutchman as well because i had heard the term before but i didn't really know the story of it and the reason i had the uh i grew up in pennsylvania and there, there was a, a, a theme park dorney park near near us and they had a roller coaster called the flying dutchman hmm. um so that's just how i knew the term and the funny thing talking about how it's like a cursed ship or whatever um that kind of that ride was kind of cursed uh <laughs> it was so most roller coasters are you know you got a you got a string of cars that holds you know 20 30 people and it goes around and it's the only thing on at the time or maybe they load up a second one or whatever right the flying dutchman was a series of little cars that hold each one was separate and it held four people and so they would launch that launch one with four people in it and then you know, 20 seconds later, they would launch another one and however, they just spaced them out, but they were all on the ride at the same time. And there were some accidents. <laughs> uh, so that ride is not there anymore. <laughs> Sound too surprising. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, it is it is interesting that his just like sheer force of will, his his uh, stubbornness is keeping him in this time loop because he refuses to accept the fact that they're dead. And I. I guess I sort of I, I can see both sides, right? Because because you saw what the the two other guys like their their afterlives looked great, right? Reunited with family, yeah. etc. Um, but then at the same time, we aren't given an explanation as to how they died, and so I can see how the captain is like, but but wait, that doesn't make any sense. We're not dead. Yeah, and you know, you you bring them up. up uh, you you made me realize something that that I think is interesting that that I haven't talked about yet. And, you know, you mentioned that the other two crewmates have people waiting for them on Earth. And but it's interesting because they actually make a point to mention that Carter, um, the one who spends most of his time kind of like loopy, almost like in a 
and Jeff yeah. Hayes <laughs> just like staring at his hands at one point. But you know, they mentioned that he's got somebody waiting for him at at home on Earth. His wife Mary, who is still alive, and whenever he goes back home as as a ghost, you know he's not able to see Mary because she's still alive. He he just sees her clothes and the the note the telegram. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. But Mason, he's got he has people he has his wife and daughter waiting for him in the afterlife. Because they died. Yeah. That's a good point because I yeah I didn't put that together when I was watching it because at that point I thought that was still hallucinations or whatever I didn't realize what was going on. Yeah, so it's interesting that they talk about Carter having somebody waiting for him at, on Earth, even though it's actually in their situation. Mason is the one who has somebody who's actually waiting for him right now. Yeah, and then they, they mentioned that that Captain Ross didn't have anybody. Right. Is that so? yeah? So that's why he's not interested in going to the afterlife. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as like a, a mama's boy. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, going home, you know, wanting to see his parents in the afterlife, and you know, they they don't they don't say one way or the other, but it's it's somewhat implied, I, I think, especially because he's so unwilling to accept his death that he probably doesn't have like a a wife um, who had passed on earlier that would be waiting for him in the afterlife. Right. So. Going back to the the Flying Dutchman, there is one other moment in in this episode that that uh, that I haven't talked about, and and I think it it actually could potentially be some sort of connection to the Flying Dutchman because at one point Carter does pull a gun on the captain. It's, yeah, it's like an extremely brief moment, and they completely just. <laughs> You know, they resolve it almost in- instantaneously. It's like uh, yeah. you don't. It's like, you know, he pulls the gun and he's like, "We're not going up." And Mason's like, "You don't want to do that." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was weird how how quickly that was resolved. I, to me, it was also kind of weird that they had guns, like that they didn't have phasers or laser zaps or something you know just seeing a, a colt 45 in his hand was just kind of odd <laughs> something you'd never want to fire if you're in a spaceship um, oh yeah here it is so i mentioned star trek before and i i took several notes relating to star trek like i thought first i thought uh shatner would have been a good person to play the captain in this you know probably because yeah. he's captain of whatever um but then i thought before I got before I got to the end and realized that it was that they're all dead and, and all that stuff, um, I thought this had the bones to be a good Star Trek episode. We've seen stuff like this before. You go on a planet, weird stuff starts happening. They're seeing their families or or dead families or whatever, and then the captain's got to go in and, and pull them out and save them. Uh, in Star Trek, it would have been the aliens with the hallucinations, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know it reminds me, and, and I think I actually mentioned this on the first episode, like the episode with Picard where he lives the entire lifetime right? And in, in his own mind. Yeah, that's a good... I haven't seen that one in a long time. Yeah, and, and he keeps... Uh, like he keeps the flute at the end right. and still remembers yeah, yeah. how to play the, the song. Yeah, I, I rewatched uh, The Next Generation just uh, a few years ago. 
I've realized that if I do all of the Star Trek time loop episodes in one season, that's going to be an extremely long season because I think <laughs> every every series of Star Trek has had at least one time loop episode and they all have the repetitions in them. So, you know, each one will be several time oh. loops within them. Okay. But, uh, you know, that, that'll be fun too, because I'm, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I, I haven't watched too much of the, the new stuff, but, you know, I've watched all the ones. I don't think I caught the end of Voyager, but, you know, I watched the next generation deep space nine yeah um and then i circled back around and caught enterprise uh yeah. you know several years <laughs> later yeah yeah i've seen the whole next gen all seven seasons several times um and i watched deep space nine uh when it was in its last couple of seasons i caught all that stuff voyager i kind of gave up on when it was first airing but now that it's on netflix oh, actually it's leaving netflix so i gotta find another way to watch it but i'm going through that and it's actually it's a lot better than i thought it would be so that yeah, was that, good. that's one that i i do want to at some point circle back around on because i i watched it you know whenever it was first airing but i think like it, it switched it switched stations and so i couldn't keep up with it after that and then you know right. i never circled back around to to watch it on home video or on streaming yet. Yeah, the new stuff's good though. Uh, Discovery and Picard, really good stuff. Yeah, I've 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 heard a lot of good things. I, I heard Discovery took a little bit to to get off to get on <laughs> it its did. feet. Yeah. But the, I've heard later seasons are really good. Yeah. Um, you know, the I think the about the only other note that I have about this episode is. You know the the writer of this was um, Richard Matheson, and he wrote several Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, I think one of his he was the one that wrote Nightmare on at twenty thousand feet. Oh, perfect. It wasn't until later seasons like this one where he actually based the episodes on short stories that he had written previously, like the the first episodes that he started writing were all original for the twilight zone and this one was one that was an adaptation of an earlier story and it was originally published in march 1953 in an issue of fantastic story magazine and it i believe i it he follows pretty closely to his original short story there's just like a, a handful of differences in it but um okay you know, you know, I, I don't think you, you mentioned it. It's like, what 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 did you think about the episode overall? Like how, I, I know you mentioned that it, it took you a little while to figure it out, but, you know, did you, like, once you figured it out, did you think it was a, a decent episode or just like an okay episode? I think it's pretty good. I think, uh, it, it, like I said, it went, the, the ending was a twist that I wasn't expecting, which is good, but I think I also, maybe, I think they, well, they, they do the thing where, you know, they kind of end it quickly, but then Rod Serling comes on and gives you the gives you the lowdown, mm -hmm. um, which I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I love some of his interest. And I love Rod, Rod Serling, but like it always narration and explanation always seem a little like, OK, a little heavy handed, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, in the modern era, it's like lazy screenwriting. But, you know, yeah. at, at the time, it's like, you know, that a lot of times the that's just how it was done. Yeah. And also uh, it's, it's Rod that, Serling. So. Yeah, totally. 
the fact that you were just saying that the story was originally published in 1953 makes a lot more sense because, you know, that was before the space program really even mm-hmm. got started. And so that means that, that, that explains why they really like none of it makes any sense. None, none of the technology, none of the, the, what was it? The theory of, um, circumnavigation, circumnavigation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, so, uh, I, I would say it's a decent episode. It's not up, up and in my favorites, but you know, for, yeah, for, I, I think for it all does of it, suffer a little bit from being one of the, the one hour episodes. Cause uh, I, I do think that there's several scenes that feel like they could, like they're just filler. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, like the gun scene that we mentioned. The gun know, scene. Yeah. It's like, and you the... know, we need, we need 15 seconds before the commercial let's let's have yeah. carter draw a gun on him let's have jack Klugman flip switches for 28 seconds <laughs> <laughs> although i do love that i that a lot of times he like flips switches like um in the beginning like their mason is checking the atmosphere and then he walks away and then Clubman walks up behind him and he like flips a switch a couple times, like, you know, double checking it because uh, <laughs> right. that f- really fits with his character. And there's a lot <laughs> of little things. I think this, this episode does hold up better with rewatches because there's a lot of subtle stuff. Uh, mm. One other thing that you probably didn't notice is, uh, and I went in a bit more detail into it in the last episode, but there are 53 repetitions of dialogue where they, either repeat a, a, an entire phrase or they repeat a single word uh, more than once. Hmm. Usually like repeating their name over and over or like, yeah. you know, he says, we're going to do it over again and over again. That was, that was the line that I actually noted down. We're going to do it over again or go over it again. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's incredible that, that because the, the, for the most part, it's not, it seems natural, at least, you know, natural for this period of um, television. Like, the, it, it doesn't sound like they're doing these repetitions to make a point of it. It, it just sounds like that's how they're re- normally speaking. Yeah, it doesn't, It did, like, I didn't really notice it, so it didn't, it didn't seem forced at all, yeah. yeah you know, the episode, I, I think, does hold up to, to repeat viewings, especially with, knowing the twist and and seeing how how they do clue you in a little bit yeah. earlier on in the episodes so let me ask you like since you said that you didn't know were you kind of going along with some of their theories like or did you whenever they brought up a theory like did you say were you along with the characters like yeah that seems like a possibility or like no, that just sounds ridiculous. It's probably like what what's what was your best guess of what was going on in the episode as it was playing out? You know, I was actually along for the ride uh, with their theories. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Alien hallucinations. That that seems plausible, uh, you know, um, and whatever. I forget what the other theories were, but yeah, I, I wasn't I really had no clue. And I knew like because because we're doing this show, I knew there was going to be a time loop involved. Um, but I, like I said earlier, I thought they were going to crash and become the previous people in the time loop. So yeah, it was, it was kind of, I think you're right. I think that the, the clues were there. If you go and rewatch it, like the sixth sense or whatever, 
but uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on the. I think my the... favorite clue is like you know after after they walk out of the ship having seen their own dead bodies and Carter says we're dead and that you know he just says those right. two lines that's the kind of the only thing that he says and it's like you know on a first viewing that's very like he just saw his own dead body but then on a second time viewing it's like they are dead yeah right it was an interesting way they phrased it mm-hmm. but because it was because this is an old tv show like i'm used to you're just used to people saying things in weird ways because it's 40 50 years ago <laughs> yeah Sorry, 60 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and the 90s was just, you know, 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, that's. I think that's about all the notes that, that I have for this time. It's. Uh, I, I think it's worked out well doing it this way. It's, you know, I've gotten to talk a lot about this episode and in several different ways and it's been interesting to get different people's perspectives uh, i'm glad that you know it seems like everybody's uh, at least enjoyed the episode to a certain extent and, and i've definitely really appreciated the episode uh even on multiple viewings uh, but was was there anything else that you wanted to say about uh, this episode or the twilight zone in general or you know any other twi- uh, time loop uh, movies or shows well, I think we covered all the time loop shows that I can think of at the beginning. Um, you know, Groundhog Day, just almost a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, but then I'm sure since you covered it, you, you went into the background of all that stuff and how crazy it was to make it and how they changed everything while they were making it. Uh, so that's just a just a great story. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I think I think that's good. All right. Well, you know. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, you know, I've, I really enjoyed having you on. You know, um, but for everybody listening to this, why don't you go ahead and you know take a minute and uh, plug in any of your projects if uh, anybody else wants to listen to more of you on the internet. Okay, uh, sure, why not? So uh, I have been uh, the movies by minutes that I've been doing are Airplane Minute and Top Secret Minute, and we're hopefully going to continue doing the Zucker Brothers movies. Uh, with Naked Gun, etc. Um, I also did Office Space Minute, and uh, my current project is Sequel Harder, where we talk about good movies and their awful sequels. Um, that I think we're starting our, we've been recording our fourth season now, and um, yeah, and I also work with um, Heidi Bennett. Uh, so people may know her. She did Cabin Minute Cast and Spinal Tap Minute. And we have a pod. She has a podcast called Vibrant Visionaries, which I which I edit for her. And we have a, a YouTube channel called Vi- Vi- Vibrant Visionaries, where it's interviews with uh, creative people. It's uh, cooking <laughs> videos, how to make different things, um, and you know, fun stuff like that. So yeah, that's what I've got going on. As always, I am Bubbleweed, and you can find me at flightsnightsandmovienights.com. You can find me on Twitter at Bubbleweed. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. We have a, a Facebook group, uh, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group, uh, where you can join to discuss episodes as they come out, uh, or you know discuss time loop movies or TV shows in general. 
And uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate it if you leave us a rating and a review uh, to help grow this show and get it out to even more listeners. And you know, and, until next time, I will still be right here, trapped in the Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. So light to your approval. Another dimension. So light to your shadow. Another dimension. So light to your shadow. Another dimension. Self. So light to your shadow. Another twilight zone. Submitted for your approval. The twilight zone. Submitted to your approval. The twilight zone. That the movements they make and the words they speak have all been made and spoken countless times before. And will be made and spoken countless times again. Perhaps even unto eternity. Picture of a latter-day flying Dutchman sailing into the twilight zone.